my friends. I'm Ron Longwell, and I'm glad you're here today for episode 12 of the Jesus Society podcast, a conversation exploring relationship, renewal, and purpose in the kingdom of God. Uh, I'm just going to jump right into things today. Um, we've got a lot to cover, and um, uh, last week's episode was long, and uh, this one may be kind of long as well. So I'm going to try to move through it as quickly as possible, but I don't want to, I don't want to really, I don't want to skip anything because I think this is, this is good stuff. Um, we're going to talk about prayer today and maybe um, think about prayer in a way that's a little different um, from the way you might have been raised. It's a little different from the way I was raised. Um, and I just got to say on the front end, it's, it's a little intimidating um, to talk about prayer. I mean, um, for, for 2,000 years, um, theologians and pastors and priests and monks have written about a bazillion volumes on the topic of prayer, where to pray, when to pray, what to pray, how to pray, uh, what to pray for. And in the face of all that, I, you know, I find myself a little bit thinking, what, what can I possibly say <laughs> that hasn't been said? And the truth is probably not much, but... I have learned some things about prayer that I wish I'd known years ago, and I will say also that there are some things about prayer that I think people understood a thousand years ago that some of us have lost. Um, so, so some of what I'm going to be talking about is things are things that um, the early church seemed to have understood. The the medieval church, there were people that understood this. And this seems strange only because we haven't learned from our ancestors as well as maybe we should have. Um, so uh, the big light bulb that has gone off in my head over the last dozen years or so is that um, uh, prayer, we, we really have to think about prayer as a dialogue um, as opposed to a monologue. Um, it is... It is communion with God. It is, it is the place where God and I work on our relationship. It is it is the place where we uh, where where we relate to one another. Where I commune with Him and He with me. Um, it's it's communion with God, and that is that's relationship building. Prayer is where intimacy with God is forged, um, and as such, prayer is meant to be a a, a two way communication. I think with God, and that's really different from what I had always thought and from what I've, I'd always been taught. You, you get the picture um, when you look at Jesus in his prayer life that there's more going on than just him sort of reciting off a want list to the Father. You, you really get the impression that there's some relationship building going on there, that there's there's a there's a back and forth, a little bit of a dialogue, right? Um, so uh, what I'm going to describe here is what, if you read a lot about spiritual formation and things like that, you will, you will come across the term contemplative prayer. What I'm describing here is contemplative prayer. And Christians have been practicing contemplative prayer for well over a thousand years. Um, but you hardly ever hear about it in evangelical circles, and that's kind of where I'm, where I've come from, um, uh, and we just don't talk about that much. I'm I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here, so I'm going to stop there, um, and we'll we'll come back to that. the The truth is, 
that our prayer lives tend to evolve uh, over time. Um, the first way we often approach God can be thought of as saying your prayers, right? When you were a kid, um, your, your mom and dad maybe would send you to bed and say, don't forget to say your prayers, right? And really this amounts to um, what I'm going to call talking at God, okay? Um, so, you know, you're a kid and you go to bed and you say, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. That was the prayer I was taught to say when I was a kid. It's a, it's not necessarily a great way to put kids to sleep, <laughs> right? Talking about death. Um, uh, or at the dinner table, um, we would say, uh, when I was growing up, we would say, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food. And I heard somebody say one time that they they said that prayer too, and they always wondered why they were thanking God only for the lettuce and not for the other stuff. Well, as children, we don't really have the capacity for sustained conversations with God, right? Uh, most of the time, we just tend to parrot what um, the, the other older people around us say, and and that that's not necessarily bad, right? Um, eventually, you might learn some other prayers uh, when you're just starting out like that. If you if you grew up Catholic, uh, you might have learned the the Our Father or the Hail Mary. Uh, some of us memorized the Lord's Prayer uh, or the twenty third Psalm, right? Um, and those simple formulas are the foundation of my conversation with God. They teach us that God is knowable and that he's there listening. And that's not a bad thing, right? It's okay to start there. The second stage in the evolution of, of, of prayer is um, talking to God as opposed to talking at God. As we mature in our relationship with God, we become more comfortable kind of finding our own words uh, to speak to him rather than, than using uh, the ready-made prayers of our childhood. And so we quit talking at God and we start talking to God, uh, speaking to him from, from our own hearts and telling him about the things that are going on in our lives right now, the things that we care about, the things that we want uh, him to be involved in, right? And that's an okay thing, right? Um, after all, as our relationship with God grows more personal, so should our prayers. But some of us get kind of get stuck there. Um, for years, uh, my quiet time in the morning involved Bible reading and praying through a, a prayer list that I had. Um, and then I, I would hear people talk about how we needed to pray more. And so I thought that that meant uh, praying my prayer list several times a day or, or maybe, maybe praying it once and then going back to the beginning and praying it through it all again as though if I said it more than once, God would know that I was serious, right? And then I heard people um, say that we need to we need to pray harder, and so I thought, well, okay, that means that I'm you know I got to really concentrate when I'm praying. I really strain as I pray through my list multiple times, <laughs> right? Um, the problem is that thinking that way about prayer and trying to practice prayer that way can very quickly become task oriented instead of relationship-oriented. And it turns talking to your father into a, a task that I need to complete or, or something that I need to, to, to strain and work hard at. And it makes prayer 
little more than a, a monologue that I'm reciting to a distant and silent God. And at some point, we, we, get, we get a little tired of the one-sidedness of prayer. We, we want a real relationship with this God who we love and who we follow and who claims to, to love us. I want an engagement with him, you know. Um, and so along with being able to bring our cares and our hurts to God, we'd kind of like to hear from God something, too. And so that brings us to the next stage in the evolution of our prayer life, which is listening to God. Instead of a, instead of a monologue, prayer becomes a dialogue. We're still talking to God. We're still sharing our hearts with Him and our concerns. We're still asking Him to be involved in certain things and to, and to save us or rescue us or heal this person or, or whatever. But we're also listening to God. And we're, we're learning to listen to God. You know, learning learning to listen is really important in relationships. Um, one of the first things marriage counselors often have to spend time on when a couple comes in to see them is is communication. And a big part of that is helping them to develop some active listening skills because too often couples just don't listen to one another. When, when one of them starts speaking, the other immediately starts in their mind formulating their response or... In, off, in a lot of cases, they're rebuttal, right? But the mark of a mature person, at least when it comes to communication, is the ability to really listen. And that is also true in my relationship with God. And just like in any other healthy relationship, learning to listen involves kind of shutting down my own inner monologue and learning to be really attentive to the other person. Now, when it comes to prayer, that is just not a skill that most of us have have even been told we should learn, okay? So if we're going to do that with God, if we're really going to listen, we, we have to, to learn to embrace the quiet, okay? Um, I don't think that it's news to any of us that we live in an insanely busy society, or at least we did before COVID-19 came along, okay? Um, and I use the word insanely on purpose. The the, the frantic and overly scheduled way some of us have been living our lives is just not sane. And there are, do a Google search. You will find countless studies and articles that talk about the problems with being so busy and so overscheduled, right? Um, Richard Foster, in his wonderful book, uh, A Celebration of Discipline, wrote this. In contemporary society, our adversary majors in three things, noise, hurry, and crowds. If he can keep us engaged in muchness and manyness, he will rest satisfied. Hurry is not of the devil, it is the devil. Now what's interesting there is that Foster wrote those words in 1978. That is 42 years ago. And I think we would all agree that nothing has improved there um, since 1978. If anything, things have gotten worse. We are, we are too busy and we are too hectic and distracted and overwhelmed. And for, for many of us, we can't stand 
quiet. Um, I tried to do a, a little listening prayer exercise with a with a group of people in a in a house church we were in um, a number of years ago, and um, I, I said, "Let's let's just sit. We'll just sit here for five minutes. Five minutes, and just be quiet. And let's let's just see if the Lord has anything to say to us." And one of the ladies in this in this little group um, said to me immediately. She said, five minutes." She says, can't we, can't we just start with one? And, and in, my, in my heart, I, I chuckled a little bit, but I also cried a little bit. Like, really? Like, you, you can't stand to sit still and quiet for more than a minute? Like, that's pushing things? But we don't, we don't like that. Um, so we're, we're all too busy and hectic, and we, and we don't... We don't like quiet, a lot of us. Um, uh, and and we feel it. We all feel this the pressure in the world around us, but most of us don't have any idea how to live differently. Well, decluttering our lives and slowing down is not really what we're discussing today, although maybe we should spend an episode talking about sane living. Um, maybe I'll work on that. But But today... Let's just start with learning to declutter our minds a bit when we spend time with the Father. So let's let's start with learning to embrace some some level of quiet there. In the quiet, we engage the deepest parts of our soul and we invite God into the midst of that. And, and that is where intimacy happens. And that's where transformation happens. I can't remember ever hearing from God when I was was in the midst of crowds, noise or activity. So for me, I, I do this as early in the, in the morning as I can. It works best for me after I've had a shower and gotten dressed and had a, had a cup of coffee with me because then I'm wide awake. So I will get my cup of coffee. I will sit quietly in my chair and I need, I really need to be in a, in a room with the door shut and no, nothing else there. Right. Um, I'll sit quietly in my chair. I'll have my Bible open to a, a passage that I want to read I'll have my journal open to a blank page. And the first thing I've got to do is quiet my mind. Because I don't know if you're like me, but my mind is a flurry of activity first thing in the morning. Um, and, and sometimes I, I'm, I'm preoccupied with my to-do list, the things I've got to get done and thinking through all that. What I found really helpful there is um, take a minute. If, like if you're, if you're having trouble thinking about anything other than your to-do list, take a piece of paper Write down all the things you have to do today, okay? Now you got them on paper. You don't have to worry about them. You don't have to think about them. Just set them aside. They'll be there when you're done, okay? So then I close my eyes and just really try to slow my breathing. I, I try to picture Jesus already in the room sitting next to me. And I just sit there um, for a good while. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not in a rush I'm not trying to make something happen. I'm just trying to sit there with Jesus and try to forget about time, okay? And all the while, I'm kind of looking for an opening in the solitude. I'm, I'm allowing myself as much as possible to slip into kind of a prayerful stillness. And I'm, I'm trying to lean into simply being with God and away from human activity, okay, and striving. And sometimes 
often, actually, that's all there is. Just a, a quiet, peaceful time with God where neither of us really needs to say anything, but I'm, I'm making myself open to him and just enjoying the quiet. Uh, once your mind is clear and your spirit is, is quiet, uh, listen for a while. You're, you're on holy ground and your father is right there with you. Just, just enjoy being in his presence. Occasionally, I will sense a, a kind of a nudge to, to talk about to talk to God about something that's going on deep in my heart. Um, remember what Psalm four four says? Uh, it says, "Be angry and do not sin." And then and then it says this: "On your bed, reflect in your heart and be still. Reflect in your heart and be still." So there's a there's a, a, a an invitation to just invite God into your in, into the deep places of your heart, and that's a lot of us. That's we're we're afraid to go there, right? That's part of our fear of the quiet is because we're we're just afraid to really confront some of that stuff that's lurking deep. I would say that's exactly the kind of things you need to bring to God um, when you are angry or frustrated or sad or scared or overjoyed. Get quiet and still and, and meditate a little bit of, uh, on those emotions and, and what's going on in your heart around those things. Why are you feeling the way you're feeling? What specifically about what's going on in your life right now is, is making you feel that way? I will often journal about some stuff like that. Now, if you're listening to, to this, and some of you are listening to this and thinking, well, that stuff isn't part of a real relationship with God. And if you're thinking that, you're wrong. Um, I would say stuff like that is central to your relationship with God. In fact, I have found the, the Lord to be more eager to engage me about what is going on in the depths of my heart than about almost anything else. That's where he wants to, to engage us, okay? So, so ask the Lord what he wants to say to you about all this. Ask him to help you understand where all this is coming from. And then just kind of get quiet and listen and, and pay attention to any spontaneous thoughts that you have while you're listening for an answer. And after a while, you, um, you may sense yourself being pulled back into reality a little bit. That's okay. At that point, read your Bible or journal um, and, and be grateful for the experience. Bring your bring your prayer requests to God and, and do more of a traditional prayer. That's okay. My objective in prayer is to allow God to move me from a, 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 a I'm going to say it this way, from a Martha state of doing to a Mary state of receptivity, okay? And, and if you don't know what that is, look, look up Martha and Mary in the New Testament. There's a, there's a story about two sisters who are, one of them is just busy, 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 and one of them just sits at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus says, the, the one that Martha, who's busy, 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 kind of comes and complains to Jesus because her sister's not doing anything. And Jesus says, you're just too worried about all this stuff. Mary's chosen the better part, is what he says. So I'm trying to let God move me into more of a, of a Mary state of just being 
without feeling like I've got to accomplish something in my prayer uh, time. Now, let me let me just say, in, in my experience, learning to, to, to reach this kind of mental and spiritual quiet is a gradual process, okay? Um, it, some of us take to that a, a little quicker. For some of us, it feels awful and painful and horrible, and it feels like a you know, just an awful thing. And it, it takes a while to learn to do this. But I can tell you that it will totally break down if you try to rush it. If you, if you try to force this, it, it, it just won't happen, okay? Um, one author that I've read about this kind of thing says it took him about a year of trying it before he got it. I will tell you it did not take me nearly that long. But the point is, um, to, to just allow God to reveal himself to you in his time. Be patient and enjoy the quiet and enjoy just sitting there with God. And, and don't, try to, don't try to make something happen and don't be um, desperate for something to happen. Okay, Just let it happen. Um, remember that to reach for God is to reach God. He's, he's there already, right? Um, you just have to get you out of the way. And that's not nearly as complicated as it, as it might sound. So I'm going to move on. What does God sound like? <laughs> what should I expect, right? Because that's the next question in all this, right? I'm listening for God and like, how do I know? How do I know whether he's answered me? Um, because this is, I know this is a really awkward kind of thing for a lot of us that have never, never practiced it, never learned to do it. It's it's awkward, and there's a lot of fear and uncertainty and doubt just built into into this for a lot of us. And I'm I, I want you to just relax and and let God sort of bring you through this in His own time in His own way. Okay, but what does the voice of God sound like? What should I expect? Um. Rather than being in kind of an, an audible kind of inner voice, right? Um, I and a good many others have discovered that God's voice in our heads and hearts sounds a little bit more like a, a kind of a flow of spontaneous thoughts. Okay, uh, in fact, I I tend to, th- to think that that's kind of the normal way that God speaks to us. The Lord will speak to us in other ways, if necessary, but I think He would rather that we learn to discern Him speaking through his spirit within our own hearts, okay? The key word in all that is spontaneous. And what do I mean by spontaneous thoughts? Well, remember, the voice of God is it's spirit-to-spirit communication. It is the Holy Spirit speaking directly to my spirit. And we sense that, the way we perceive that, I think is most often a spontaneous thought or an idea or a word. Um, if it's coming straight out of my own mind, my thoughts tend to be analytical and cognitive. I reason them out. One thought leads directly to the next thought, and there's a there's a logical progression in the in the flow of my thinking. Not necessarily so with God. Okay, the best way I can describe it is that. Occasionally when I'm in prayer or reading scripture, I will kind of have a, a spontaneous thought that I, I just know didn't come from me. 
It is not at all the direction my mind was going. It's nothing I've thought before. And often because of my own biases and predispositions, it's not really something I would think of on my own. It's, it's a bit of an unexpected surprise. So, so let me go a little deeper in all this. And I, I want to try to give you some characteristics of these spontaneous thoughts that, that, that help me recognize and have confidence that they come from God. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into some detail here which is going to make this sound complicated, and I know that, and I've wrestled with how to talk about this in a way that doesn't make it sound overly complicated. It's really not complicated, but I'm, going to, I'm doing my best to kind of describe this with, with a degree of specificity so as, so as to try to give you a, a, some handholds so you can try to recognize it, Okay. Um, I, I, and it's really not as complicated as some of this may sound. It really isn't. So, first of all, these spontaneous thoughts, they're, they're, they're like my own thoughts, except they seem to come from a deeper place. In other words, they're, they're qualitatively different from my normal thoughts. Um, and and, and if, you, if you're never sure that you've heard this, you just have to see when you... When you finally hear God say something to you, like you'll know, you'll think, oh yeah, I get this, okay? Um, but because they come from within me, they're not totally unlike my own thoughts. They're they're deeper and they're richer, but similar, okay? Um, secondly, um, God's voice is, voice is often soft and gentle, and it is easily cut off by any exertion of, of self. So if I interrupt this spontaneous intuitive flow with my own analysis, if I immediately start analyzing what I think I'm hearing, God usually does not try to shout above that noise to regain my attention. He will just simply be still and wait till I'm ready to listen again. Now, I'll tell you, this is hard for me because I'm, I'm a little bit analytical and I analyze everything immediately right? What has really helped me in all this is journaling, okay? Um, so when, when I hear something that I, that I think is, might be from God, I, I try real hard to just write it down and keep writing until the flow stops, okay? You can analyze it later, but if you find yourself kind of interrupting the Lord um, don't, don't, don't whip yourself or, or, or wallow around in guilt. Just say, oops, and start listening again. Okay. This is, this is not, um, this is not something to whip yourself about, or it's not something to beat yourself up over. Okay. Um, God's voice often has a, a, a deeper, richer content, meaning it is better and somewhat different than my own thoughts. It's a little bit similar to what I already said. Um, God's voice is wiser. It is, it is more merciful. You know, we are, we are so darn hard on ourselves, um, in our own thoughts, right? God just isn't. Um, and we'll say more about some of that in a minute. Um, God's voice is more discerning and is, it, it, it is much more aware of our motives than sometimes we are. Um, so sometimes, like like Jesus often did with his disciples, God will ignore the question you ask and address the real heart of the issue. Okay, it's it, it's wisdom, right? 
Um, God's voice often causes a, a, a kind of a special reaction within me. These, these spontaneous thoughts often produce a deeply emotional response in me. And see, my, my, own, my own thoughts don't. I don't know that I have ever moved myself to tears, <laughs> right? But God has. God sure has. Sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll hear something and it just I just start bawling. Um, there's sometimes a sense of excitement or conviction or humility or awe or peace. Um, sometimes it is a it is literally uh, as the quote that I that I mentioned last week, and I'm going to read it again at the end of this episode because it's really good. Um, there's a sense of God's love that just takes your breath away and brings you to tears. Okay, um, God. Uh, tends to speak with with love in a way that leads us to freedom. So ask yourself how you anticipate God's tone of voice. Uh, angry? Do you anticipate God being judgmental? Do you anticipate a voice of disappointment? Some of us didn't have the best fathers. And so when we speak of God as our father... We kind of have a certain image based on our experiences of what a father is that we sort of impose on God, and we we sometimes expect God to talk to us with the same tone of voice that our own fathers did. But but folks, God is just not like our earthly fathers. He's better than the best of them. He will always speak with love, even if He wants to change us. Okay, uh, remember. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8.1. And God's kindness leads you to repentance, Romans 2.4. God always speaks with love, okay? So, um, so when you think you've heard something from God, what do you do with that? People often get tripped up by the, the uncertainty of knowing how to sort out whether what they're hearing is God or, or, or myself or, or maybe even Satan, okay? Those are good questions to ask. And just like learning a, a new language, it, it takes patience, uh, discernment, and attentiveness. But let me give you some suggestions, okay, on what to do with this if you think you've heard something from God. First of all, Compare what you think you you heard with the Word of God. And by the way, the people that I know that have that that, that live into this the very best, they are they are always um, talking about what they think they heard God say. Okay, there's a there's a real humility in their lives about it. Right there's the there's the there's the constant awareness that you know I I, I don't I have to discern this and I. There's the possibility that I got this wrong, okay? So when they're when they're talking about something they they heard, they'll say, "I think God is saying this to me," okay? That's a good way to to think about it, all right? Um, which is not, and I'm not saying you keep, there's there is no confidence, okay? Um, just stick with me here for a minute. So compare what you think you're hearing with the Word. Um, Paul says. That all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The greatest protection we have 
on our spiritual journey is the Word of God. Scripture is our plumb line. God will never contradict Scripture. Now, if you don't know Scripture, how are you going to know if you're going to if you're being given something contrary to Scripture? Exactly. A good knowledge of Scripture can save us from a host of heartaches and errors. Okay, so you read your Bibles. Like we 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 can't just put our Bibles on the shelf and think, oh, God's going to just speak to me. You, it's, this is your plumb line. This is your this is like these things go hand in hand. God's voice and and His written word go hand in hand, right? You you can't just divorce one. Some people get really scared of the idea of hearing God's voice because it thinks we're, they think we're we're laying aside the word of God. Not one bit. Not one bit. Okay. Um, I read a I read a survey a, a while ago. Uh, this is a bit of an aside of incoming students at seminaries, and the survey basically said that hardly any of them had ever read the Bible through in its entirety. Um, I, I can I can tell you emphatically that you will not acquire an expansive knowledge of the whole of, of Scripture in seminary. You just won't. Okay. Um, so if you think you're going to go off to seminary so you'll know the Bible better, you will you will learn some things about the Bible better in seminary. But if I had my way, <laughs> if I were king, high potentate, no one would be allowed admittance into seminary unless they had read the Bible all the way through at least once. Okay, um, that that would be my thing. Like you read the Bible. Okay, now. I'm not saying that God doesn't speak to Christians who haven't read the Bible, okay, um, or or haven't read it very much. Of course He does, okay. But the question here is about how we know it's God speaking. So if you don't know the Word enough to evaluate the voice you're hearing in in its light, you'll you'll find yourself in trouble. Secondly, check out what you're hearing with others. Find a find a few trusted and and spiritually mature spiritually mature brothers and sisters in Christ who know you well who love God deeply and who love you and preferably some people who have some experience in hearing from God okay tell them what you think God is saying to you and ask them to pray about that and help you discern whether it's God's voice or not okay um like this isn't this is never something that you've got to sort out immediately, right? Um, but here's the thing: I am so self-absorbed that there is virtually nothing that I can't talk myself into and turn it into the will of God if I want to, right? That's, and I'm not alone there, right? Um, the only protection I have against that kind of willfulness is the Word of God and the wisdom of the spiritual community around me, okay? So we do this in dialogue with people and in dialogue with the Word of God, okay? Thirdly, does what I think I'm hearing from God line up with the character of God? Is this, is this something God would say? Well, we know God is holy. We know He's loving. We know He's righteous. We know He is redemptive in nature. Does what we're hearing mesh with what we know of his character, or does it seem slightly out of character? 
If it seems slightly out of character, there's two options. Number one, maybe you don't understand God's character as well as you think you do, in which case go back to the Word. Or number two, maybe you're hearing your own heart and your own will. Uh, Again, most of us are highly skilled at taking our own self-serving thoughts and baptizing them with righteousness. Okay. Number four, and, and this mostly pertains to those times that I sense God directing me to do something, which honestly is very rare for me. God, um, God hardly ever tells me, go do something, okay? Um, he has a few times, but most of the time when I think I hear God's voice, it's, it's not a directive to, to do something, okay? Um, but when, when, when you think God's telling you to do something, here's the question. Does what I think I'm hearing pertain to an area for which I am responsible? That's a good question. As a general rule, God tends to give revelation only for those areas in which he is given authority and responsibility. Therefore, you should expect to hear uh, instruction from God only in those areas for which you are ultimately responsible. Stay away from ego trips that look for revelation for areas in which you don't have any authority. Don't look, do not, do not, do not, do not look for a word from the Lord for someone else unless God has placed you in a position of responsibility for that person, like your children, for instance. Okay, If you think you hear something for someone else, be extremely cautious about sharing that especially without running it past your spiritual community first. Because here's the thing. If God can give you a word for someone else, he can speak to them too. Right? He can give that word directly to them. He doesn't need you necessarily um, to, uh, to be the go-between between God and anyone else. All right. Number five. Will this thing that I think I'm hearing from God, will it produce good fruit in me? And will it lead to freedom? Again, this goes back to Scripture and the character of God. God will never instruct you to do things that don't bear good fruit. And He will never lead you into bondage. He will speak life and peace and love into your life. He will instruct you toward things that bear good fruit. The fruit of the Spirit, we're told, is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control, Galatians 5. Those are the directions God will lead you with what he has to say, always. Number six, will this lead me to humility? And does it inspire greater trust in God? Now, this is, this is big. I want to say this. I want you to, like, this is, if, there, if you're to hear one thing, hear this. I have found that God is constantly calling me to greater levels of trust and humility. He will always lead you toward greater dependence on Him. Now, that doesn't mean that He doesn't want to use uh, your own mind. Uh, He doesn't want you to use your own mind to make your own decisions about things. Right? I, I don't need God to tell me which shirt to wear today, for goodness sakes, or, or what to cook for supper tonight. Um, God's given you a good mind, okay? Um, and he expects you to, to exercise it, to use it, 
Make some of your own, make a lot of your own decisions. It's like your kids, right? When they're young, you make a lot of decisions for them, but you don't want them when they're 25 or 28 or 30 or 40 to be asking you how to do things. Like you want them to develop some independence, right? God is the same way. But um, while God has vested us with a measure of self-determination and free will, that is, that is best enjoyed always within the context of a dependence on God, okay? So, so if, if what you think you hear leads you away from that, it is almost certainly not of God, okay? Um, God is always trying to lead you uh, into trust. And I have some more to say about that in just a minute. So what, what about the devil, Okay. What, what if, what if I, you know, if I hear a voice, you know, could it be the devil? This one's a little tricky and I'm not going to say a lot about this except to say that I do not believe the devil lives inside our heads. Okay. If, if you are a Christian, the spirit of God lives inside you. And I do not believe the devil is allowed a place there. I believe that is scriptural, but it would take me more time than we have to flesh that out. But I will give you one passage that suggests that. 1 John 4, 4, which is kind of our theme verse in the Jesus Society. It says, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Okay, That, to me, says something about, I've got something in me that is greater than than the devil and he is not allowed a place in my life when i've got the spirit of god there okay last few things here um kind of some these are just some sort of suggestions okay um right at the end kind of putting all this together don't expect to hear god's voice every time you pray i have i have not found god to work that way nor has has anyone that i really think is living into this well um i um, in my experience, God is not chatty. Like I can't, th- there have been times when I've had a general, genuine conversation with God, but day in, day out, I, that's, that has not been my experience. Um, God doesn't say a lot, but I promise you, God can say more with a few words than anybody I've ever met. And those few words will carry you for days or weeks or months or years. Okay. I still cling to some of the things that the Lord has told me in two or three or four words, right? Um, Also, I really believe most of you, if you're a Christian, you have already heard from God. You may not have recognized it as God, and there are lots of reasons that could be, and we talked about some of those last week. Also, not everybody hears God the same way. Um, my, my wife tends to hear him in songs. Um, God will often, while she's in prayer, bring songs to mind um, that speak to her deeply. But she has, this is one of our jokes, she has the entirety of Christian hymnody memorized. <laughs> she has the, every hymn book, the, every song in every hymn book memorized. Um she has an encyclopedic <laughs> memory of of Christian hymns. And so since she has that, of course God would use that to speak to her, right? 
The point is God speaks to us as individuals. Okay? Um, and another thing, um, there are some things in my experience that just God is just not interested in talking about. If you, if you go to God with questions uh, about the future or, or what's going to happen um, to me or to someone else, which, let's face it, if, if you're given the opportunity to, to ask God any questions, there, for most of us, most of our questions are going to be, is this going to work out all right? What about this? What about that? We want to know how the future is going to unfold because we're terribly afraid of that. Here's what I've learned about that. The future is in God's hands, and my responsibility is to trust Him and follow Him into that, okay? For God to spell out for me how the future is going to unfold, I don't need to trust God then anymore, right? So God just, He doesn't play into that kind of stuff. I want to know the future so that I, so that I can relax. God wants me to relax in Him, knowing that He's got the future. You see, you see the difference there? And so if I come to him with, a, with, a, with questions that are really circumventing trust, God, God's probably going to be silent there. And so if you ask him something and he is silent, ask yourself, okay, is this, is this question coming out of a place where I, I want an answer rather than a trusting relationship with God? And you will find most of the time, if you're anything like me, that that's the case, Okay. Remember, God's goal for you is your transformation. He wants to lead you to greater holiness and to, and to untwist all those little twisted places within you that have, that have become so twisted up by the world and to demolish all those hidden alliances that you carry. That's God's goal. Um, okay, I, I've got some more book recommendations and I'm, I'm not going to go over them, but I'll, they'll be in the show notes. Look for them. These are, these are all, if you want to go further into all this, um, I, I can vouch for every one of these books. They're all books I've read. They've all pr- proven tremendously helpful in building intimacy with God. And I'll just leave them there in the show notes. But in the end, you can only, you can only learn to encounter God by encountering God. Okay. Uh, and, and the, the quote from last week, from Arthur Miller. I'm going to read it again because it's, it's really helpful. Um, how does God communicate with you? How will you know? Because God has designed your frame and understands how you are put together, how you function, what you notice and what you ignore, what you read, what you hear, and what gets your attention. Because the Spirit of God is resonant with you and has, to, has a job to do as you do yours. Leading, nudging, instructing, guiding, opening new doors, reminding, questioning, affirming, prodding, sometimes engineering circumstances. Because that's true, strange, extraordinary things happen. And if you need a knock on the side of your head or a sense of God's love that will take your breath away, that will happen in God's time and in a way only you will understand. And with that, I want to thank you for joining us today. It, again, it's been a little long. I'm sorry. But there's a lot in this, and I wanted to get it all together in one place. Um, so I hope you'll join us again next week. And the week after that, I hope you're doing okay in the midst of the pandemic. I, I hope 
things are starting to return to some level of normalcy for you, or at least a, a new normal that's good and healthy and maybe maybe better than the old normal. Um, that's my prayer. Um, we'd appreciate, as always, if you'd tell others about the podcast. Share share it. If, if you enjoy the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us uh, in whatever place you get your podcasts. Um, but thanks for listening. Uh, I hope you'll be back. And remember, I say this all the time, but boy, it's so true. You are greatly, greatly loved. <laughs>